signals for the Baltimore Colts. Unitas gives to Amici. The Colts to the world champion. Amici scores. Amazing. Sensational. Dramatic. Hard-running. Exciting. Thrilling. Finish in the history of college football. California. <laughs> This is Bill Steele. This is Mike Burnham. This is Wes Durham. This is Mike Ashley. Hi, this is Chuck Foreman, number 44, the Minnesota Vikings. Woo, mercy, this is handsome Jimmy Vine, the boogie woogie man. This is Coach Fry with Virginia Tech football, and you are listening to Big Dog Sports Talk. Are you ready to rock? Are you ready to rock? Okay, let's do it. You're in the doghouse with Rick Watson and Big Dog Sports Talk on the WRAD Talk Network. 101.7, 103.5, and AM 1460. Streaming worldwide at WRADradio.com and the TuneIn app for your phone. Join the conversation now on the Baker Team Hotline, 540-639-4900. Or text Rick and the show at 744-2990. And now your host, the big dog, Rick Watson. Four four twenty nine ninety on the text line. I wonder if I can hear the phone. Yeah, I can hear everything but the microphone. Interesting. Very, very interesting. This will be a, a wild show if I have 
of it. Funky. Very funky. Uh, coming off the weekend. Microphone's working. Let me try this one. Hang on just a second here. Is this one any better? Can anybody hear me? Test one, two, three. Is that one better? Is that one better? Hey, there we go. Now I think I have a functioning microphone. And uh, it's great that this happens on a live talk show. You know, I'm the only one that needs the mic. Can everybody hear me now? Uh, yeah. All right. <laughs> All right, everybody got me now. Okay, so I had to use... I had to use this one instead because that one's not working now bizarro this is why live radio sit down no microphone now it's here now everybody can hear me hey what do you know <sighs> all right everybody's saying yes okay now we'll start this thing over again so I come in, we played the Bengals, because it is Manic Monday, and it is, you know, Susanna Hoffs. And I hit on, and it didn't work. It just doesn't work. So I don't know exactly what happened there. But uh, in any event, this one is working, so it's good to be heard. <laughs> just won't be able to have any in-studio guests this week. Uh, we'll review the basketball weekend, mixed bag. The women on both sides, Radford on Saturday, Virginia Tech yesterday came away with wins. And the men on each side continue to struggle. I mean, the Highlanders go to upstate. They never led in the game and lose. And there's a week off coming up for Darius Nichols' team, and, man, they need it because – they need to figure out what in the world is going on. It was not pretty on Saturday. I'll tell you that much. It was a dominant uh, performance by USC Upstate. Uh, again, a game in which the Highlanders never led. And Radford is sitting there three and six in the Big South Conference. Three and six. So again, time in the gym to work things out. And uh, I, I kind of had worded it, and I'm going to stand by it. I think the uh, Virginia Tech-Miami men's game was a, uh, a knockout game, and, and Tech got knocked out. They lose 82-74. to They allow 56 second-half points. 56. And there's nothing about that that resembles a Mike Young philosophy team because he – Prides himself on defense. Seven more turnovers for Sean Padula. Is Sean Padula just flat out a selfish player? Is that where we are with this? 
did he feel like he had to carry the team so much that now they can't get it out of his M.O. to try to force way too much, especially late in shot clocks? I mean, you look at the stats. He's taken 254 shots. Lynn Kidd is next at 180. Hunter Couture, the team's best shooter, who's shooting 43% from three. Now, I know he missed some time. Is third on the team with 176 shots. Padula's turned it over 74 times to offset the 91 assists. 74 turnovers. And I'm not blaming it on just one guy, but it makes you wonder a little bit. 8 of 18 he was, 3 of 10 from 3, 7 turnovers. And I don't know how many specific points Miami scored off of his turnovers. But when a team shoots as well as Miami did in the second half, and scores 56 points. They outscored Tech 56-39. And this team's now in serious trouble. And I never really had them as an NCAA tournament team anyway, um, given what had happened with the, the Duke game. That kind of also felt like a knockout game. Now they got to go to Notre Dame on the 10th. A very winnable game. They have some games coming up that are winnable. But I think now you just have to look at it as trying to figure out what's going on with them defensively. Because Duke shredded their defense, and then Miami in the second half shredded their defense. And again, Notre Dame is a bad team. They're rebuilding with the new coaching staff. But it is on the road, and you've got to – They've got their week coming up, right? They got their week off coming up. So just like Radford, you've got a week to try to get things right and figure things out. And we'll talk about all this with Tim Thomas. I'm going to ask him that question about Sean Padula. Uh, the women yesterday wasn't a uh, great game from Georgia Amor or Elizabeth Kitley. Now, Georgia ended up with 11 assists, 21 points, but she was only 6 of 21 from the floor. Kitley, 7 of 21, but they got a win against North Carolina, who somehow was ranked when they had seven losses. They won't be ranked now. 70 to 61 in overtime. They outscored the Tar Heels 16 to 7 in the extra frame. Tech now 9-2 in the ACC. And we talked about this North Carolina trip for them. Now they've got NC State on Thursday in a rematch of that game that they had here at the Castle that was won at the last second. And then after that, you kind of expect them to go ahead and win out. So really, I mean, I don't want to put the cart before the horse. Is Is that how you say that? Is that right? But, I mean, after NC State, I mean, they've got BC. Duke at home will be a little tough, but they beat, they're they going to win because it's at home. At Louisville will be tough. 
they got a couple of games. At Notre Dame might be difficult for them. I guess there's our two or three. I'll take that back. There are two tough road tests left. Carolina at home. If they can beat them on the road, you figure they can beat them in Castle with the great crowd there. And then Virginia, who's just not very good. So they've got this game against NC State is their toughest game. Duke at home, since they beat them, could be interesting. At Louisville, who's number 16, but they've been up and down as of late. And then at Notre Dame. So they're going to have enough tough games to uh, get them tournament tested, ACC tournament tested, as they try to uh, position themselves to grab some momentum to get back to the Final Four. But we have Tim Thomas coming up 735. Marva coming up at uh, 705. And I know she's just excited because over on the men's side, the Tar Heels knocked off Duke. Wasn't really close. Speaking of Horrible, horrible defense. I mean, when you allow in the 90s in college basketball, you're really working to not work on defense. 93-84. I mean, it was just a back-and-forth, up-and-down game. Virginia got a big win. This was a big week in the ACC. They won by one at Clemson, the program that continues to falter. They are the basketball equivalent of Miami football. Wake Forest, a big win against Syracuse. Syracuse is fading fast. And then Florida State goes down and gives up 101 to Louisville for only Louisville's second conference win. So, you know, I I hate to say this, but I'm starting to agree with the pundits. There may not be that many NCAA caliber teams in this league. I mean, after you get through Carolina, Duke, and Virginia – I don't know. I mean, I'm sure that they will get five or six teams just because I can't imagine a committee sitting there and saying we're only going to take three teams out of the ACC. But you know, the league is it's somewhat there's parity, it's parity driven, but maybe that is going to end up hurting it. I don't know. I mean, anybody in the league who's 500 or on down has at least seven losses. I guess you'd have to break down those metrics to see which teams. You know, Florida State's got nine losses. They're six and four in the league. They just lost at Notre Dame. They're not going to get in the tournament unless they win the tournament. Wolfpack's seven and four, but they're 15 and seven. Demon Deeks are 14 and seven. So maybe the league maybe the league is just top heavy. Virginia has to be included in there. They're now on a six game winning streak and they've righted the ship, which you kind of knew they would do under Tony Bennett. But maybe, just maybe, this league plays many of its opponents out of contention. All right, just getting started. An ominous start when I come in and the microphone wasn't working. But, hey, we persevered. Kept trying mics until I found one. Glad to have you with us. <laughs> More coming up. A week before the Super Bowl, and I still don't care. I really don't. Hope you're well wherever you might be. Just getting started here on a Monday.
you on your ass. Come on, Rock, it's not a game. You want to live in the hospital for five weeks this time? You thought I was tough? This jump will kill you. Come on, come on, get your head on your shoulders, man. Think about the fight, think about the fight. Clubber Lang's in here, he's trying to hurt you, Rock. He's trying to hurt you, okay, here he comes. Jab, he's jabbing, he's jabbing, he's trying to hurt you. You gotta fight him, you gotta move. There is no tomorrow. That's right. And I'll tell you what, the news came down Friday evening. We were on our way to upstate that uh, Carl Weathers had passed away at the age of 76. Carl Weathers, a.k.a. Apollo Creed. And I'm telling you, man, you know, sometimes you, we talk about these, I don't know, whether it's a celebrity in movies or sports, music, whatever it might be, passing and Man, this was one that just, uh, it really hit home because the whole reason I got, one of the main reasons I got into boxing other than Muhammad Ali was the Rocky movies. And that character in particular, who to be honest, I enjoyed nearly as much as Rocky. Carl Weathers, um, a.k.a. Apollo Creed. Very tough news, man. And seeing the outpouring on social media, I mean... This affected a lot of people. He's apparently one of the really, really good guys in what is a very corrupt and elitist Hollywood community. He wasn't that guy, you know. And he uh, had a good sense of humor about himself. Everybody talking about how wonderful he was to work with. And plus, he was just really good at what he did. And he made that character so special. Apollo Creed. Nobody else could have played him the way that Carl Weathers played him. Man, oh man, that, that one, it still bugs me. I mean, I was, I got a little choked up. I was like, wow, Apollo? And I don't know, I haven't heard any of the, um, I haven't heard any of the reasons why. I don't know if it was sudden. I just don't know, but I just know that he was doing shows. He was still touring at, at places and showing up and making appearances. So I don't think this was something that was a long-standing health issue unless, you know, it was just something he was trying to overcome while he continued to go about. But, man, there's a lot of times you lose people. And, you know, for me, when I was much younger, Freddie Mercury's death, you know, Queen. And then all this happened, but – uh 76 years old, Apollo Creed passes away, a.k.a. Carl Weathers. So we're going to be playing some clips. I found, I don't know what it sounds like, but I found a really cool best of Apollo Creed thing on YouTube. So I'm going to play some of that throughout the day today. But, uh, yeah, rest in peace, Carl Weathers, man. I tell you what, that was a bit of news that um, didn't want. I mean, it makes sense as you get older, right? It's going to happen, but. He's been good in a lot of things. Remember Action Jackson? Yeah, Predator, he was really good. Dutch, he was Dutch in Predator. 
You had that great shot with him and Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, when they clasp hands for the first time and it like focuses it in on their massive arms for like five seconds. <laughs> Rest in peace, Carl Weathers. We'll be back. Top of the hour, you call us up 639-4900. Marva comes up at 705. Tim Thomas at 735. I'm going to play one of these uh, best of Apollo Creed. Let's see what this is. This is the first clip. I think this is uh, early, kind of early in the first movie here when they're showing Apollo come up with the idea um, for the whole thing against a, a local fighter. Oh, a shape, nothing, man. They're afraid. Hell, they know everybody in the world's gonna see this fight and none of them got a prayer whipping me. So they're making excuses so they don't have to be the chump to get whipped in front of the whole civilized world. All I can say is I'm a good promoter. But I don't know what the hell else to do. I do. Without a ranked contender, what this fight is gonna need is a novelty. This is the land of opportunity, right? So Apollo Creed on January 1st gives a local underdog fighter an opportunity. A snow-white underdog, and I'm going to put his face on this poster with me. And I'll tell you why. Because I'm sentimental. Apollo, I like it. It's very American. No, Jurgens. It's very smart. There you go. Man, just good stuff from Carl Weathers. Uh, it's going to take me a while to shake this passing. I don't know. I mean... And you may have your own personal reasons for, you know, how somebody that you grew up with like that um, pop culture, how it influences your life or helps you appreciate something. But man, you talk about, I don't think that character gets enough credit. I really don't. But in any event, yeah, somebody just said, yeah, remember him in Happy Gilmore? Somebody said he was in The Mandalorian. I never watched any of that. Mandalorian stuff, but they said he was in The Mandalorian recently. That's cool. Very versatile. Carl Weathers. 639-4900-744-2990. Many people texting in about different roles. Yeah, Action Jackson. Yeah, somebody just uh, agreed. If you haven't seen Action Jackson, I remember seeing Action Jackson at the theater back in the day. And it was strictly because that's how much I enjoyed Apollo Creed's character in the Rocky movies. Predator, he was Dutch, ended up kind of, you know, in terms of that special ops group's leader, Arnold Schwarzenegger, he kind of turned into kind of a, a government agreeable slimy guy when he kind of lied to them about why they were going in there on that mission to begin with, right? Man. Good stuff. Let's go to the Baker team hotline. Hey, good morning. Who's this? Rick, it's Big Al and Galax. How are you? Hey, Big Al. How are you? Good. I understand the uh, Academy, the motion pictures of Academy Awards are going to give a posthumous 
our posthumous Academy Award to Taya Shire for worst supporting actress in a lead role for a major motion picture series. <laughs> yeah, uh, that never never really seemed to fit, did it? No, it did not. As uh, hard as he was trying, she was such a such a drain on him. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. No support. I mean, Apollo, who was his big opponent in the first two fights, supported him more than than Adrian. Everybody supported him more than Adrian. <laughs> True. But uh, I was listening to the show Friday with Will Stewart. Y'all were talking about records that are currently being set. I'm just curious. As I always understood collegiate athletics, you have five years to complete four years of eligibility. So now you have students, athletes, that are able to play more than four years on the on the field or on the court, and some records are being set. Do you think they should have an asterisk by their name because they're allowed to play more than what was the normal amount uh, prior to COVID? Yeah, it's different. I mean, it's just like in the uh, in professional sports, right? Say the NFL now they play seventeen games and. When they went from 12 to 14 to 16. I mean, it's like the rushing yardage, the the passing yards. None of that stuff is equitable when you look at prior years. So, yeah, I mean, it, it is much different. They should. I, they need to – what they need to do, I don't know about an asterisk, but create a – here are the five – here are the five-year player records as opposed to just four in the past. Yeah, it's a good point. And I'm not I'm not taking anything away from our athletic accomplishments. They're they're phenomenal no, athletes. No. It's just if you have longer, theoretically you should do better. Absolutely. Absolutely. Agree hundred um, percent. I caught a four part series outside the lines, which is only four letter network, and then they had a sixty minute uh segment this past Sunday on uh gambling. And uh, very interesting talking about how fast it's proliferated. What a, I think they've had a 56% rise in calls to gambling hotlines for people in trouble. And what was really scary, one gentleman had used the Freedom of Information Act to obtain metrics that some of these gambling uh, operations keep on people. And they showed one individual they had flagged uh, as a, as a person with a potential problem, and they had accumulated 96 different metrics on that individual, including when he liked to gamble, how much he liked to gamble, how often he gambled, what he gambled on, when would be the best time to send a message to him, and it's really kind of scary. Wow, that's what's wild, man. So they could figure out all those different things about just how one individual bets then and how much and so forth. It's truly phenomenal. So just like the, um, just like um, Meta and X and all of them, they're really data gathering machines that use it to their benefit to maximize profits. Sure, absolutely, absolutely. And with the increase of all this gambling and all the ads, I mean, my goodness, remember how the NFL used to be so adamantly against betting, and now here they are having the Super Bowl. Right in the belly of the beast in Vegas, right? They are. Not only that, I think what I find fascinating is that you have the ability now because of your handheld mobile computers, because they really are not just phones or handheld mobile computers, that uh, you have live action in game betting 
which is phenomenal how they make those judgments and move those lines during the game to try to entice people to bet. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think there's more I think I saw there's more in game betting than there is pre game betting. Yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and their prime different prime demographic is males between twenty four and thirty five. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, last item, um I had sent you a link, don't know if you had an opportunity to read it. It's called How College Athletes Finally Got Paid. Mm-hmm. Dated June nineteenth, twenty three. It's in the Washington Monthly by a gentleman named Lynn Simmons, who was an attorney that worked on several of these cases uh, against the NCAA. It's a great synopsis, pretty long article, but it's very well written as far as the history of the NCAA and the various court cases. Some they did win, some most they lost here recently, and how public perception and judicial perception changed against them as the monies became larger and larger. And it also talks about, quite frankly, the fact that they were greedy. They were ignorant in the cases they decided to pursue. They were petty, meaning NCAA. And they were also completely unaware of how they were perceived. So it's it's a real interesting article. Anybody that's concerned about college football or the NIL, I would highly recommend that you read it. All right, man. Yeah, I did see it. We were on the road. I hadn't had a chance to read it, but I did see it, and I bookmarked it, so I will check it out later. So I appreciate that. All right, man. You have a big big day. All right, you too, man. Take care. Good stuff, Al. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, come on. Let's, let's just be honest. I mean, with the, the gambling <laughs> increases across the board, and now it's being ex- – I mean, come on. There's no way that you can sit around and run these sports and not have people connect the dots, right? And this is why when you see officiating come into play or you see something that looks a little strange, this is why people immediately go, hmm, hmm, I don't know what's going on there. Right? And maybe this is why the leagues maybe why this is why the leagues don't come down on things, right? Maybe sometimes your your action or lack of action maybe that's uh maybe that's the big red flag right there. But they're benefiting so much financially from their relationship with the betting advertisers that you know, if you're in bed with one certain group, it's hard to just all of a sudden say we're clean in every area. It's got to be a concern. Same thing with colleges. I mean, you watch an ESPN college event, they're going to have their ESPN betting app ads running during that game. <laughs> right? I had someone send a text. We were talking about this a couple of weeks ago, and I had someone about whether our games were legitimate anymore. Are they legitimate? Or are they WWE? Are we getting close to the point where the leagues are going to come out and just have to admit that that's what the texture said? It was a good text. Maybe we're going to hear an announcement here in a few years where the leagues are going to say, okay, this has just been sports entertainment. Much like the WWF at the time had to change to WWE, right? 
you either have to relabel what you do or you got to pay this and that. And they said, oh, nope, 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 nope. By the way, this may have flew under your radar, but the Big Ten and the SEC on Friday announced that they are banding together. It's begun, folks. Uh, to join forces, there's an advisory group with the goal of, quote, addressing the significant challenges facing college sports. Remember back in the summer when we were talking about all this alignment and we kept talking about how the SEC and the Big Ten are partners in this apart from everybody else, right? NCAA struggling to govern intercollegiate athletics, and now you have the big two football leagues joining forces. It's only a matter of time now. It will be sooner than later. And these two leagues will continue to lead the charge, whether this means now both leagues will agree to be more aggressive and maybe even agree on who's going to be added from other conferences to their leagues, which is what some people are speculating, to try to cash in on the next big TV deal. Participants in this advisory group will include university presidents, chancellors, and athletic directors. Oh, boy. Athletes and other constituencies will be included as necessary, according to the announcement. But specific members have not been determined. But among the challenges the league cited in the formation of the partnership are the recent court decisions, pending litigation, a patchwork of state laws, and a complex governance of proposals. So, this is... I think, significant symbolism. Now, remember, you did have the much, and I do mean much failed, alliance from before when it was going on. and The alliance. <laughs> between the ACC, the uh, Pac-12, and the Big Ten at the time. But now it seems like this one means something a little differently, right? The two most powerful leagues in college sports banding together. Right now they have 34 of the country's most powerful brands, right? It feels like this is the start of what we've talked about, especially with power football creating its own place. And are we going to get to the place, too, where it's going to just be these two leagues and everybody else who's not in these two leagues are done? See, there's so much behind the scenes that we're not told, that's not reported, that doesn't come out. Maybe this is one of the reasons why Florida State's working so hard. They understand what's going to happen. Are these leagues going to have one more big push for expansion? I saw... Um, one writer speculate that, you know, 48, how many times has Will Stewart talked about 48 teams, right? 48 seems to be the number. And does that mean that the Big Ten and the SEC, because now we can speculate, because nothing's really been explained as what this is going to be. But 48 would mean what, right? What would 48 mean? 24 in the Big Ten. 24 
in the SEC. And if you want to have four divisions of six in each, boy, it sounds a whole lot like the NFL, doesn't it? The first thing I'm thinking of is that's where this is going. And if you're not amongst the 48 that either jumps to the SEC, or I'll tell you what, not jumps, I'm sorry, you're going to have to be invited now. And it feels like these two leagues know they're going to control the money going forward, right? They're going to control all the money. So they understand that, you know what, we can benefit one another. We don't have to fight. We don't have to worry about what the, the Big Ten's thinking. We don't have to worry about who the SEC is going to add. The SEC is thinking now we don't have to worry about who the Big Ten's going to add. Let's talk about it. Who fits our blueprint better? Who fits yours better? I am going to predict that now you're going to see discussions we probably won't be reported about, right, happen, and you're going to see the next wave of invitations come out for each league as they try to figure out how 24 would work when all these presidents and when all the networks chime in and all these dollar signs to secure the future long term are going to come into play. And if you're not part of it, you're on the outside looking in. And I don't know where a Virginia Tech would stand right now with 24 in the Big Ten, 24 in the SEC. But this is significant, and this won't be like the previous uh, Desperation Alliance. We'll be back to wrap up our one. text messages and questions coming in. Do you think maybe now this will persuade the Big 12 and the ACC to start talking and to join forces? Why not? Why not? I mean, it would make sense, right? Big 12 finally just tell Oregon State and Washington State, come on aboard. Figure something out. Because you're going to get left out if not. Questions about the brands. I think there's three slam dunk brands that are leaving the ACC sooner than later, and that's Florida State, Clemson, and North Carolina. Um, That doesn't mean there's not more. I'm just saying that those three brands are highly attractive to both the SEC and the Big Ten, and maybe they're going to agree on how they want to split all this. My guess is, though, there would be um, a consideration for Miami to be thrown in there. And I don't know how people are asking about Virginia Tech. I don't know. I mean, I don't know how they're viewed. I know that their fan base and what happens, and this is, you know, I'm not going to talk about this in any other sport. It's football-driven. So, and how Virginia Tech represents itself, and now they seem on the uptick on the field, you would think that would give them a lot of ammunition for one of these leagues, but... I don't know. A lot to discuss about it. All we can do is speculate right now. Marva joins us next. 